Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back to Soul to Soul Radio 101.9 Hi FM. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievman. And today's show, we dedicate in honor of a great friend, Jakey Fine, who this weekend will be celebrating the momentous, auspicious occasion of your bar mitzvah. Huge mazel tov to you, Jakey, to your brother Rail and sister Zoe, to your parents, to Darren and Ilana, to your grandparents, the Fines and the Slanskys, to your uncles and aunts, to your entire family, to our entire community, to all our relatives and friends. It is so special, Jakey, that we get to celebrate with you your bar mitzvah this week. And what does it mean to be a bar mitzvah? Bar mitzvah means you become a Jewish man. Yep, you're a fully paid member of the club. A responsible and accountable member of the Jewish community. So considering what's going on around the world and the condemnations and accusations that are being thrown at Israel these days for daring to stand up to defend our people and our nation and our land, let me share with you something lots of people know but it's worthwhile to read it once again. I want to share with you a marvelous tribute that Mark Twain wrote about our community, about our nation. He wrote this 122 years ago in 1899 and he concludes with these words. The Egyptian, the Babylonian, the Persian role, they, all of them rose. They filled the planet with sound and splendor, then faded to dream stuff and passed away. The Greek and the Roman followed and made a vast noise and they are gone. Other peoples have sprung up and held their torch high for a time, but it burned out and they sit in twilight now or have vanished. The Jews saw them all, beat them all. All things are mortal, but the Jew. All other forces pass but he remains. What is the secret of his immortality? These are the words from Mark Twain concerning the Jews, which was published in Harper's Magazine 122 years ago in 1899. We just consider how just today, listen to the sirens blaring throughout Israel. You can hear them throughout our show, unfortunately. They're still out to get us. Thank God we haven't only survived, but we have thrived. So many have wondered, philosophers, historians, social scientists, they're all baffled by this enigma of our survival. And yes, the Palestinians have a lot more support, it's true. Think in terms of numbers, we're a tiny people. We are outnumbered. The number of Jews in the world is much smaller than an insignificant statistical error in the Chinese national census. Perhaps that's why the others have much more support. 1.2 billion Muslims out there, although plenty of Muslims are our friends and do understand our side of the story, that it's very basic fighting for our survival, protecting our people. For almost 2,000 years, 
We had no land to call our own, no sovereignty, no military, no central government. We, the Jewish people, were scattered. We were dispersed. We were persecuted. You think about since the time of our temple's destruction by the Babylonians and then by the Romans and throughout our history, whether it was the Greeks or the Persians, whether it was the Crusaders or the Spanish expulsion or Chmelenitsky and pogroms and the Holocaust and now Hamas. If you trace the history of our people, Jake, if you trace the history of your own family, of your own ancestors, you'll see that they journeyed from country to country until they finally tried to come and settle here and thank God for the rainbow nation. Thank God for the beauty and the tolerance. This is a wonderful country. Our president can learn a thing or two about the facts and realities about Israel. But you wonder, how did a hundred generations of our ancestors survive? How did a people endure such hardship for all these millennia? Not only to survive as a people, but time and time again to emerge as a source of light and inspiration for humanity. How do we answer the question Mark Twain asks? What is the secret of our immortality? Of course, our tradition offers a fascinating answer. And it comes from the literature of rabbinic commentary known as the Medrash. The Medrash records a debate that occurred at the first bar mitzvah in history. Yep. The first person to be raised from a child, from their childhood as a Jew. Who was that? Yitzchak Avinu, our forefather Isaac. Isaac Abramson, the son of Abraham and Sarah. In fact, Yitzchak's bar mitzvah provides us with insight into what happens at every bar mitzvah and Jakey this weekend at your bar mitzvah. The Medrash tells us that distinguished dignitaries came from many nations and attended Yitzchak's bar mitzvah celebration, including the great giant of the time, Og Melech Habasham. And in the midst of the party, just as the DJ was about to kick off, some of the guests began to taunt this mighty giant, Og. They said, Og, you spent years ridiculing Avraham. You claimed he would never be your offspring. Yet here we sit and celebrate his son's coming of age. And we know that Avram and Sarah, they waited many years for their child until against all odds, Yitzchak was born when Avraham was 99 and his wife was 90. So Ugg just shrugged off their challenge and he pointed at Yitzchak with contempt. He said, him? You think this youngster is worth anything? With one finger I could crush him. At that moment, the Medrash tells us, the voice of God called out to Og from the heavens. You belittle Yitzchak, I swear you will see thousands and myriads of his descendants. And in the end, you will fall by their hands. Well, this is a very strange and enigmatic debate. 
Why do the guests at Yitzchak's bar mitzvah taunt Og about Avraham's childbearing capabilities 13 years after Isaac's child birth? What about Og's response? He threatens to crush the bar mitzvah boy? You're sitting at the kid's party. It's one thing to forget to bring a bar mitzvah gift. That's bad enough. But threatening to squash the bar mitzvah boy at his own bar mitzvah party celebration? It's a little overboard even for a dude who goes by the name Og. And we don't, we don't know what Avraham, Sarah, or even Yitzchak said at the bar mitzvah. Very peculiar midrashic tale. All it's telling us is this peculiar conversation between the guests and Og's charming response. Why? What is this about? And very interestingly, in a letter written to a young man on the occasion of his bar mitzvah in 1942, the Rebbe gave a moving and profound answer to this madrash. And the debate between Og and the other guests at Isaac's bar mitzvah says the Rebbe was a defining moment of Jewish history which had and continues to have global and historical consequences. Og was the archetype of material, of material physical power in this world. He was a mighty man, he was a giant. Og represents a worldview that has long appealed to kings, to emperors, to tyrants. One that considers military might, wealth, economic superiority as the pinnacle of man's greatness. In Og's mind, it's not a moral God that governs history. There's no justice and there's no judge. For Og, there is merely brute strength. Human beings are only carbon units. Dust on the surface of infinity, living out lives that are of no ultimate value in a purposeless cosmos. All we have is our material power and wealth with which to triumph over our adversaries and indulge our physical passions. If you look at the contrast to this uggish way of thinking, which clearly is all around us today. Avraham lived by an entirely different set of morals. Avraham and Sarah believed in a living moral God who is the source of life and civilization. Unlike all those around him in the ancient world, Avraham and Sarah did not worship nature or power. Avraham and Sarah did not believe that the universe is blind to our hopes, deaf to our prayers. At the core of existence, Avraham and Sarah saw a personal divine presence, a compassionate God who created the world with love and brought us into being as a parent does a child. Avraham and Sarah knew that to navigate the streams of history, you need far more than brute strength or even numbers. Avraham and Sarah understood that Jews would flourish because of their loyalty to God, their morality, their holy deeds, because the commitment that we Jewish people have to a society built on justice and compassion, 
and our courage to be true to our heritage while enhancing the lives of others around us as well. Uh, that, according to Abraham and Sarah, our great-great-grandparents, our patriarchs and matriarchs, was how the Jewish people, us, their descendants, would survive and transform the world in profound ways. These were the battle lines drawn at the first bar mitzvah. When Og mocked Abraham's childlessness, he was not referring to his procreative biological ability. Of course, 13 years after Yitzchak's birth, everyone knew that Abraham and Sarah were brought this child into the world. Even if it was challenged or questioned, it was proven. Og challenged Abraham's naive and idealistic lifestyle, saying it may work for him, but it won't last. What chance do such lofty convictions, spirituality, God, purpose, what does that have against real military power, material wealth? That's what Og asked. That's what Hamas thinks they can intimidate Israel with. According to Og, Abraham's way dies with him. There's no legacy. The first Jews will be the last Jews. The guests at that bar mitzvah responded. They said, look at, look, look at this boy as Yitzchak enters the age of maturity. He has totally committed to his parents' way of life. For all of your arguments that Abraham and Sarah's faith has no future, here we are at his son's bar mitzvah. The son is not only the physical continuation of his parents, he is their spiritual successor. He will carry his parents' worldview forward. You got to admit that you're wrong. Avram's approach is not barren at all, but it's gaining life. A young boy, Yitzchak, is proud of his parents, is committed to their vision of the world. And so Og snaps back. With one finger I'll crush him. Sure, there's his parents. He's secure. He's protected by a Jewish environment within the protective sanctuary of the Jewish community. Yeah, there he may be pure. But wait until he's under my finger. Wait until Isaac is in my world dealing with the realities of society far from a Jewish environment. Yeah, wait till he's off to this. Og is saying, Jews will assimilate. They'll disaffiliate. Surely, then I'll be crushed. Surely, then all of the Jewish faith will be proven impractical because it cannot withstand the pressures of the wider world. There's no way that successive generations will still identify as Jews. And so the challenge, which began then, way back then, continues on throughout the centuries. In every generation, the voice of Og speaks in one form or another, trumpeting a message of might over right, of decadence over decency, predicting an end to the sacred Jewish way of life, and sometimes doing everything in its power to achieve the destruction of our people. And so indeed, as Mark Twain put it, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, they all stood on the world stage. They all invoked the philosophy of Og Melech Habashan as they contrived to obliterate us, the descendants of Avraham. 
and Avraham and Sarah's enduring tradition. Whether it was the Third Reich or the Soviet Union, whether it's Hamas or Palestinian Islamic Jihad, they all continue to say the same thing, with a finger will crush you. And yet, astonishingly, in every generation, in the face of every such challenge, the results are the same. Og fades into oblivion while Avraham and Sarah's children march on. Those who were once mighty gather dust in the museums. While Am Yisrael Chai, we, the people of Israel, live on. And Israel, regardless of how many rockets they send towards us, will not only survive, but we will thrive. And how is this? Because all other forces pass, as Mark Twain put it, but he remains. What's the secret of his immortality? Well, Mark Twain was wondering, was mystified. He's, what is he trying to make sense of this phenomenon that defies every natural law of human history? And I think the answer could be summed up in just these two words, Jakey. Bar Mitzvah. When you enter this special stage, when a Jewish boy enters adulthood and takes the teachings and traditions of Torah to your heart, the responsibility of Judaism on your shoulders, you connect yourself to the divine and to the miracle of Jewish immortality. So yes, amidst all the ravages and destruction unleashed by the ogs of history, by the Hamas and others, the very same heavenly voice that rang out at Yitzchak's bar mitzvah is still here today at your bar mitzvah. It's a voice that calls us and says, you will see the descendants and myriads of descendants of this man. God says, in the end, you will fall by their hands. God promises that we, the Jewish people, will not be defeated by those forces of Og or Hamas or anyone else. And so, as those voices continue to threaten to wipe Israel off the map, and as here locally, sadly, we see those who buy into it and accuse Israel of all types of horrible accusations, allegations, we must know those voices come from evil. And they encourage to rain more rockets of terror on Israel. And at the same time, we have to listen to the other voice. The heavenly bar mitzvah voice. We have to take heart and resolve from its powerful message. That Am Yisrael Chai, we the Jewish people, live on forever and always. And this is a very important message on this special celebratory day of yours. We'll be right back. We'll discuss a little bit more messages and lessons we could take in honor of your Bar Mitzvah. Chai FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I am Rabbi Arya Kievman. And today we are getting ready for the celebration of Jake Fine's Bar Mitzvah. And Jakey, today's show is in honor of you. We were talking before about one of the, the very first bar mitzvah in Jewish history, the bar mitzvah of Isaac. And the Medrash tells us that the guests 
and Og Melech Habasha, the giant, were debating, were arguing. And Og tried to taunt the Jewish people, saying, that little Isaac, I could crush him with my little finger. And God's heavenly response, that you will see his own descendants, you will see them for eternity. They will crush you. Think about our Jewish history. Think about, think of the classic Jewish holiday delicacies. On Hanukkah, we eat latkes and donuts. And on Pesach, we eat matzah. What do we eat on Purim? We eat pastries called hamantashi. We're eating biscuits named in the memory of Haman, who tried to oppress and kill us. And indeed, we survived. And thank God we thrived. We are so familiar with the festival delicacies that we don't even sometimes think about where their names came from, where the, the history of these foods, what they represent, the enemies of the most powerful ancient empires, of Greece with the Hanukkah latkes and donuts, of Egypt with the matzah, of Persia with the hamantashen. Each of these mighty empires, they tried to destroy us. What do we do? We name foods after them. You know, a couple of years ago, the Metropolitan Museum in New York featured a marvelous exhibition of artifacts from the Holy Land. One of the exhibits was a bronze statue of the Emperor Hadrian that was found in the Israeli coastal city of Caesarea. Caesarea. And they unearthed and polished that statue of Hadrian. And now it was standing on exhibit in the Met in New York, in all of his glory, there stood Hadrian on loan from the Israel Museum. Think of this, the Emperor Hadrian, he was a ruthless tyrant during the year 135. That's about 75 years after the temple was destroyed by the Romans. He crushed the Jewish uprising, the Bar Kokhba revolt of the time in Israel. The Roman historian Dio says that in the course of that campaign, Hadrian killed 580,000 Jews. He obliterated 970 Jewish cities in Israel. Hadrian executed almost all of the great Jewish leaders and sages of that generation, including the great sage Rabbi Akiva. And he then leveled Jerusalem. He rebuilt it as a Roman city called Aila Capitolina into which the Jews were refused entry on pain of death. Hadrian was one of the first to attempt to wipe out the Jewish religion and the Jewish people as well. The curator of the Metropolitan Museum narrates the audio accompaniment when you walk through the exhibit. So as you tour the exhibit, the narrator describes what you're seeing. And at the end of the description of this bronze statue of Emperor Hadrian, the curator tells us that this is the only statue of Hadrian in existence in which we could see the emperor's full face and all of its features. There isn't even one remaining statue of Hadrian in all of Rome or Greece. And so the narrator says, it's an irony of history that Hadrian now stands in benign captivity in the Israel Museum in Jerusalem. 
Imagine the probability of Emperor Hadrian, the man responsible for one of the first attempts at destroying the Jews, imprisoned behind glass in Jerusalem. And on top, and to top it all off, he's left to, gla- to gaze there <laughs> at all the tourists, at thousands of Jewish children who visit that museum each year to see what was tried to be done to annihilate us. And of course, Hadrian, or Ogmelech Habashan, and all the other haters, Hitlers and Stalins of history, bear witness to thousands of descendants of Abraham and Sarah. God said to them, I swear you will see thousands of their descendants. And this, my friends, as we hear this weekend are celebrating a momentous occasion in our community. Jake, fine, your bar mitzvah. And we witness the miracle of Judaism as it continues to flourish in the world today. In the spirit of the inaugural bar mitzvah that we discussed before of Yitzchak Avino of Isaac Abramson, let's listen closely for the heavenly voice that gives us the strength and blessing that we need to go on despite what we as the Jewish people are experiencing these days. My friends, our brothers and sisters in Israel are at war. Again, the fighting the past week plus for the very existence. We see rockets unrelenting, firing barrages, Follies of rockets into Israel. And I'm reminded of the words of Chief Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs of blessed memory. He put it so well. He said in July 1938, leaders of 32 nations gathered in the French spa town of Evian, knowing that something terrible was going to happen to the Jews. Knowing that unless they did something, a tragedy would unfold that would exceed all the 20 centuries of anti-Semitism put together. And one by one, without exception, the nations of the world closed their doors. At that moment, the Jewish people knew that on all the vast surface of this planet, there was not one square inch that we could call home. Nowhere. You know, they say, when you have to go home, That's the place they let you in. But there was no home for the Jewish people. Thank God today, because of Israel, we, the Jewish people, have our home. And when that war was over, one third of our people had been obliterated, murdered. The Jewish people could have sat, we could have wept, we could have cried, but instead we didn't. We look forward, not back. We chose life, not death. And so, we as the Jewish people, we said, Lo amut ki echye. We will not die. We will live. We didn't just choose to survive, but here today, we thrive. Israel has stood firm, brave and strong. After the Holocaust, The nations of the world said never again, right? But anti-Semitism has returned to virtually every corner in the world. 
It's inescapable. That hatred, whatever happened to never again, today it looks more like ever again. But one thing has changed. Because of Israel, the Jewish people has a place where we can defend ourselves. And if Israel's criticized by people who should know better, then we would still rather have Israel and the criticism, whether it's from our president, whatever pressure he's put under, let the world criticize us. Then we should be homeless and defenseless and have the sympathy of the world. In the past, they haven't come to defend and protect us. Well, now we are here to defend and protect ourselves. Israel, we know in truth, is not just a blessing for us Jews. Israel is a blessing, not just to its citizens, but to the whole world. Because while the enemies have been holding whole populations captive to the pursuit of arms of missiles of terror, Israel has been developing agriculture to grow food where no food has ever grown before. Israel helps us in South Africa despite the hostility of this country towards Israel. Israel's developing medicine to heal sickness that previously hasn't happened. Israel's a model for the world how to cure its country so rapidly from coronavirus. That's Israel. And so my friends, as Israel today, a country and a people that have shown the world what it means to choose life, in Israel, the language of the Torah is what speaks. The language of Abraham and Sarah. In Israel, Jewish history lives again. In Israel, the Jewish people has come home again. So let's say this loud and clear. We love Israel. We are proud of Israel. Thank you, God, for protecting Israel and showing us so many miracles. And indeed, thank God for the miracle of Iron Dome. Israel is doing what it can to defend and to protect its citizens. And each of us must look at the blessings. We read in last week's Torah portion that if we follow the ways of the of God in the Torah, then the Nasati Shalom, God will give peace in Israel. We pray for our soldiers that they should be safe. We pray for every human being, for every innocent civilian there, whether in Gaza or Israel, that they should be safe. And please God, our leaders will have the wisdom and the courage to continue to protect our people and our homeland despite the enemies. Even if you don't agree with everything Israel does, any decent person has to stand up for Israel's right to self-defense. Many world leaders, reporters, journalists, people of otherwise good standing are calling on both sides to demonstrate restraint, to show regard for human life. But with all due respect, the comparison between Israel and Hamas, blaming Israel for the deaths in Gaza is irrational, it is cruel. Imagine a woman fighting off a rapist and attacker. Is she no better than her attacker? Is it somehow an equal standing? Israel would not touch Hamas if Hamas would stop sending rockets and suicide bombers into Israel. Israel would bomb a single home. Israel wouldn't do any of that if Hamas and its allies didn't seek the murder of every Jew living in Israel and listen to them, not just in Israel. So if this 
is the situation. If this is the way it is, Israel has to do whatever it takes to defend its children, to defend its citizens. What is the right thing to do? What do they want from us? Listen to the Medrash. We will continue to exist for eternity. That was the question Mark Twain had about us. No matter how much they tried to destroy us, no matter how much they send rockets into Israel, and indeed, not pleasant living under that. But, thank God for Israel doing what it has to, to defend its citizens. And each of us, who aren't in Israel, has to do what we can to defend Israel, and to defend our people. Well, if you're not able to be in the war, whether it's defending Israel in the media or defending Israel physically, then I encourage you to defend Israel spiritually. That is our call of the hour. It's Hamas, not Israel, that's culpable for the fate of those innocent children that are sadly dying in Gaza. You're launching rockets from civilian populations? Israel makes sure to distance its war zones from civilian areas. Hamas makes sure to fight within those civilian areas. A civilian is killed while being used by a terrorist as a human shield. Is a victim of the terrorist, not of Israel who's defending itself. Israel does not target innocent civilians. In fact, Israel goes to extraordinary lengths to avoid killing civilians. If for no other reason, then it hurts our cause. Hamas does whatever it can to stand behind innocent civilians. And so we have to do what it takes. Forget the world's condemnations. We have to do whatever it takes. We'll be right back. And I would like to share with you the ways that Israel, or rather each of us as B'nai Israel, can do what it takes to protect civilians on all sides. We'll be right back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Soul to Soul right here on 101.9 Chai FM. I'm Rabbi Eric Kievman, and we are going to be concluding today's show now. We talked about the significance, the importance of becoming Bar Mitzvah. We talked about the threat that Israel faces. And so as we dedicate today's show to our dear Bar Mitzvah boy, Jakey Fine. Jakey, as you now become a Bar Mitzvah, you join the ranks of soldiers, of foot soldiers, of Tzivos Hashem, of the Jewish people, we must realize that at such difficult times that Israel's facing at this moment, our entire nation must be mobilized. And mobilization means not only giving money, mobilization is directing our essence to accomplish a single goal, achieving victory over a ruthless Hamas enemy that's seeking the obliteration, the annihilation of our people. And just as our soldiers are currently battling with all their heart, with all their soul, so too must we, each and every one of us, increase in our spiritual warfare. 
And that, my friends, when we study Torah, when we do another mitzvah, when we add a little prayer and charity and acts of goodness and kindness, that is the way that we express our solidarity with our people in Israel without reservation. We're one people, we're one organism. And what keeps us alive is our relationship with our soul, our connection with our spiritual core, with God. So my dear friends, I ask that each of us do what we can. Pray to God for Israel each day. Three times a day we pray for Israel and towards Israel. Let's increase in our Torah study every day for the sake of safety in Israel. Let's be more Jewish for the sake of Israel. Let's do another mitzvah. Whatever that mitzvah that is that excites you, do it for the merit, for the benefit of Israel. Do a favor for someone for the sake of Israel. Whatever extra charity or acts of kindness, putting a coin in a tzedakah box, give a gift to an organization. We at Chabad are distributing food parcels to hundreds of seniors each week. Be part of it. Join us. You could do this yourself too. Extend a helping hand to someone who needs it. Do what you can. Are you a man? Put on tefillin. That's exactly what Jakey does now as a bar mitzvah boy. And if you're already putting on tefillin every day, why don't you inspire, influence, encourage a friend of yours to do so as well? And if you're not doing it yet, well, my friend, now is the good time to start. Tefillin has been and forever remains our ultimate spiritual iron dome. Do you have a mezuzah on your doorpost? If you don't have mezuzahs, go ahead, get one. Get for each qualified door of your home. Each doorway in your home and office should have a mezuzah. And if you already have mezuzahs, why not get one for a friend? My friends, this isn't a time to waver. This is a time for us to mobilize. With God's help, we will triumph. Not only have our people survived, but thank God we survive. Because Am Yisrael Chai. Mazel Tov Jakey Fine, the entire Fine and Zaslansky family on your Bar Mitzvah Jakey. And as our latest, most recent soldier, we wish you tremendous blessings in overcoming the Ogs of history and anyone like Hamas that tries to destroy us, you remember to be proudly Jewish. And no doubt, Hashem will always be there at your side, protecting you and all of us, the Jewish people. We wish you all a meaningful and wonderful Shabbos. Carpe diem, seize every moment, make the best out of it. Remember yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery. But today is a gift of God. That's why it's called the present. So remember the past, live the present, and trust your future. Have a great day.